Welcome to the F-Sharp Podcast, presented by Harmony Wealth, a podcast geared to educate you on all things financial. Co-hosts Tanner Bortnam and Adam Henning discuss various financial topics presented in a consumable and entertaining manner. Tanner is a certified financial planner, JD, and financial expert, while Adam is a marketing professional and small business owner. It's time to harmonize. Sit back and enjoy the episode. Your future self will thank you. Welcome to episode 37 of the Financially Sharp podcast presented by Harmony Wealth. I'm Adam Henning, marketing professional and small business owner, and I'm joined as always with co-host, certified financial planner, JD, wealth manager, and Super Bowl champion. That's right. Tanner Bortnum. Go Are Chiefs. Go, with that? go Chiefs. I'll give you your uh, 30 seconds here to just... Oh, no, it's all, all good. Uh, well, this is our first episode where we're recording the video. So for anyone yeah, watching that, um, I apologize for the color combo clash. Uh, won't happen again with the red and purple <laughs> background. Uh, but I mean, how many times do you get to, you know, have an episode right after the Super Bowl where your team's won? And this is our first, obviously. So definitely felt like got to represent the Chiefs, have my Patrick um, a Holmes jersey on, and uh, yeah, what a what a great weekend it was uh, this past weekend when when the Super Bowl. So on cloud nine right now. Did you go to the parade? No, no, no. <laughs> I, yeah, I did not fly that. back to Kansas City for that. <laughs> I watched it, but I didn't fly back. So one day, one day the Vikings will yeah get to it. That's right. Someday. <laughs> You'll get there. Uh, oh, little, right yep, there. other way, the other way. <laughs> that's why we're, well, that's why the logo and branding is purple, is because you like the Vikings second best. Uh, no. That's a joke. Yep, yep, but it does match up well with your team's colors. Yeah, it does. I have to ask you, are you feeling a little bit more nervous slash under the microscope now that we are on the video? I have to be on my... No, my best behavior here, I guess. I, I guess I'm in control of of the screen, so you can't really tell. So you're always just gonna have to, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, be on. Yeah, that's but fine. this is what we look like. This that's is right. what we look like if nobody knows who we are. But or yeah, I found the podcast and didn't know who we were before this. This is what we look like. If hopefully that's good, bad, or indifferent. It is what it is. So hopefully not bad. <laughs> hopefully just good or indifferent. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, episode 37 uh, is a market update. So we're going to talk about um, quarter four of 2022 as we're recording this um, in mid-February. So we're a little bit behind from a market update standpoint, but um, we'll just lead that off here um, with with a market update. So what do you want to start with there, Tanner? Yeah, uh, well, let's just kind of start with, you know, the market itself. Um, for any of anyone who you know hasn't uh, or is new to the the show and hasn't heard um, any of our previous market updates, uh, basically what we do is just try to once a quarter, like Adam said, we're a little behind on this one, but I think it works out well because um, we've had a lot of change at the start of the year that we can go over as well. Uh, but we just want to give an update on what's going on in the markets, uh, what's going on in the economy itself, different things, and try to. You know, we're never going to project or give any recommendations on the show, um, but 
you know, just chat about what what's going on, what we think may be coming in the future, uh, so that any of our listeners are are better prepared for any anything that is coming up or potentially coming up. So um, yeah, let's just start with the markets themselves. Uh, Q4, so to end 2022, um, the markets weren't really that great in quarter four. Um, October was pretty good, but then we gave up some of those gains in November and particularly December. Uh, but then to start the year, uh, January was a really, really good month, uh, really good month. So where we are now here in middle of February of 2023, markets are up 7.2% as of today. Um, year to date, which that's a really, really strong start to a year. Uh, if you look back, you know, over a hundred years, the market itself averages somewhere between, you know, eight, ten percent. So for us to have seven point two of it already in one month is is really good. Um, but we're still down about fourteen percent from our highs, and the highs, you know, were set two December's ago, so December of twenty twenty one. So we're still not back to all-time highs or anything like that. You know, we're not out of the woods yet, but at least we're making some progress um, and having some meaningful gains here to start the year. Uh, looking over some other areas, bonds are, you know, they're only up a little less than 1% year-to-date. They're still down uh, about 12.8% from their highs as well. Uh, inflation's still high. It's coming down, but, um, you know, still sticky. And uh, yeah, we're just kind of, um, for lack of a better term, what I talk with my clients, it's, I call it purgatory. We're just, we're sitting in purgatory. We don't really know what to do. Uh, I shouldn't say we, but when I say that, I mean the economy and the market as a whole. Um, We're just, you know, we can't really break out of this funk and and get to new highs, but yet um, things aren't looking terrible right now yet either. We're just kind of in this middle middle ground. So um, that's kind of just a really quick recap of the markets themselves and market performance. Uh, anything that you've seen, Adam, in terms of you know your portfolios or anything in the your world? I mean, is is uh, education still college tuition still projected to keep climbing at SMSU or? Um, so we're going to get into that bubble, huh? Um, well, I mean, it always goes up. It's just a matter of our, I mean, I, I get the data after the fact, so I didn't know if, you know, is, is education going to keep chugging along and and going up at six and a half percent average clip or because of everything that's going on, are they backing that off or are they increasing it even more? I mean, I just got my auto insurance renewal and they jacked up rates 20% and then claimed that, they needed to do that over last year because of inflation. Well, I had a talk with them and I asked where they're getting data showing 20% increase in inflation because the highest it's been is, you know, between eight and nine. But, you know, there's just different industries are, are handling all of this in significantly different ways. And so I was just curious if you had any thoughts on the real estate side or uh, the, sorry, not real estate, the, sure. Edu- the education side. Yeah, I could speak to specifically the state of Minnesota um, and our chancellor. Um, so the state, Minnesota State uh, Colleges and Universities, um, seven universities, 52-ish uh, community colleges uh, and technical colleges. So our chancellor has uh, approached 
um, and the um, the the state of Minnesota biennium budget budget biennium, and they are campaigning for three hundred million dollars, I think. Um, and part of that is to keep uh, a tuition free, fee freeze. So I think okay, a hundred and fifty nice. million dollars of that is to keep tuition the same. So for the state of Minnesota specifically, there shouldn't be um, any uh, increased tuition in the next two years. Um, they're wow. asking from some, some of that surplus, the $20 billion surplus to, to invest some of that into keeping um, tuition where it is right now. So there's your answer for the state of Minnesota specifically. Wow, that's fantastic. That's, that's really good. Um, kudos to Minnesota. Hopefully other states follow that. Um, that that'd be really nice for any of the young young people out there in high school heading off to college or in their early careers of college to not have um, you know tuition to get that tuition freeze. That'd be really really nice. So um, so yeah, that's that's kind of the markets in general. Just really going over that. Um, let's see other things recently. In January, the Federal Reserve met. Uh, they raised the interest rate uh, by another 0.25% or a quarter of a point uh, in January here, um, which is a significant slowdown um, of what they had been doing. You know, they were at as high as 0.75, and then in December they moved it down to 0.5, and then now in January, 0.25. Um, I think that is goes hand in hand with why January started out so hot uh, and and has been so good was because that is slowing. Uh, there why did are, that one seem to go, maybe it's just my fault, but why does that one seem to go a little bit under the radar versus just because this 25 basis points versus yeah. 75? Yep, yeah. yep. Um, I, I mean, I think that it's, uh, there's a few things to it. Um, yeah, one, I think you're exactly right. It was less of a, uh, a rate hike, so less of a you know significance um, in in that regard because it's not as big of a, a jump. Um, the other part is you know we've said it before on on the show. Um, we as a society have a short attention span, and we've been talking about federal rate hikes for you know six eight months, and we start to lose interest and don't care as much anymore, and it's not the hot new topic and especially when it then goes down uh, and isn't as big of a rate hike um, it's not as deemed as important um, I'd, I'd probably say those were kind of the, the two main things of, of why it wasn't as big of a deal and then the markets are doing well so people want to focus on that um, and they go hand in hand I, I really believe that they go hand in hand with you know the so just kind of laying this out at the market itself and 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 that's built up of of all of us right all of us investing in the market and that's professional money managers that's regular people investing in through their 401k's it's governments it's hedge funds it's it's everybody uh day traders like that that all makes up the market uh, businesses buying back their own stock i mean all of those things have an impact on where the market is going and the sentiment seems to be that because there was this lower rate hike that the Fed is 
thinking inflation is getting under control. Um, now, they raised this at the end of January, and here we are middle of February, and we're starting to see that, no, that's not the case. Um, more reports are coming in. CPI came in last week. Um, the housing starts came in uh, yesterday. You know, and those numbers are 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 sticky. They're they're you know the housing starts are still down. CPI is still high. Uh, even core CPI, when you take out some of the higher volatility areas, is still sticky. It's still high. The the Fed has its work cut out for it. Yet we're not in the clear. And so personally, I think that people saw that 25 basis point rate hike and thought, great, we're on our way to no more rate hikes. We're in the clear. Let's start buying. Everything's fine. And and actually some people, uh, analysts and, and people out there who project or try to project, I guess I should say, what they think will happen with rate hikes, started believing that there would be rate cuts before the end of 2023. And I, I think that's absolutely bonkers to think that. Um, I don't think that there's any... Now, I very well could be wrong. There could be something that comes up. You know, If we happen to go into a big recession, um, they likely will cut rates. Uh, but just no, none of the data shows that we should cut rates at all in 2023. So, um, but anyways, I think that that is what has led to this really hot start to the year. Uh, and then once things start going up, you get the FOMO effect, right? We've done a show on that. What would it be a year or two ago um, with GameStop and the day trading and, and that craze, you know, you, you, Bitcoin was a craze as well. Like people, they have a fear of missing out. So they just start buying and you stop you start investing based on emotion rather than basing on logic and, and data. And so that's really kind of pushed it up um, to start the year. And, and we'll, we'll see if it can continue. Um, I have my skepticism on that. Uh, we'll get into that in just a little bit. Um, but uh, you know, I think that that is kind of what, what's happened with start of the year and then the, the Fed uh, rate hikes there in January. Um, Projecting that out a little bit, uh, the odds right now are that the Fed will raise interest rates again, another 0.25% at their at their next meeting when they can raise them, um, especially with the new data that's come out. Um, you know, again, so what are we at now? Uh, 4.75, I think, 4.5. Um, let me look that up. Uh, 4.5. Yep. 4.5. And, and they call it, I know we've gone over this in a previous episode, but they call it the dot plot. It's what the actual f members of the fed create and each of them gets their own dot. And so that's why it's called dot plot, but where they expect rates to go in the future. And, you know, that was, uh, previously in January, you know, that was getting capped out at maybe they get to five total as a high. You know, now it's starting to seem like, no, maybe they might go over five. Um, we'll, we'll, again, we'll just have to see because just as a reminder to everybody, the, what they have done is, is raise interest rates, right? And, and so quick analogy on this in case you missed one of our previous shows going over this is 
the Fed raises interest rates and that makes it more expensive to borrow money from the banks. So that means then the banks turn around and charge you more money to, to get a loan. So it slows the economy down because it's not as easy to get money. It costs more to get loans. And so it starts to slow that down. Well, it's not an instantaneous thing. It's not like a light switch. You know, People or businesses, businesses in particular, who've been working on purchasing a $10 million building may or may not just flip that switch and say, oh, interest rates went too high. We're not going to do this anymore. They may be too far down the, the path where they're going to follow through with it, or they might have locked in their rates before this. Um, what it does is it slows down future development, but that takes time for that to work itself through the economy. And so, you know, it's a three to six month lag. So we're, we're seeing right now, February, we're seeing, what would that be? What happened in August? You know, somewhere August through October timeframe is of, of those rate hikes, we're now finally starting to see in the data. So we still have, you know, at, at uh, least we have November, December, and January rate hikes that are not part of the data at all yet. And that's a 75 basis point, a 50 basis point, and a 25. So that's 1.5%. Is my math right? Yeah. 1.5% total um, that isn't hasn't come through yet. And so that's why the Fed has started to slow down. They've gotten high enough, fast enough. And that's what they said, why they've slowed down to the 25. They're letting the data try to catch up so that we can see how much more we need to do. But that's the problem with what I see the problem is, is of declaring this victory too quickly that I feel like happened in January is the data just is not there yet. Like we we don't have any data. I, I keep telling clients there's two things that have to happen for the markets to make a, an actual recovery out of this. And the first thing is, is we have data that shows we've gone into a recession, which is not there. As much as people want to say it's there because of the real estate market, it's not there on the economy as a whole yet very well could be in the real estate industry but that's not the whole that's not our whole economy that's one piece of it so we do not have the data yet showing that we're in a recession so we would either need the data showing we went into the recession and then data showing that we are making progress out of it and then the markets would be like okay we're on our way out of this things are looking up we're good to go okay well we don't have any of that or the second thing is we need data to show that we've hit this perfect soft landing that the Fed is trying to achieve. But again, we don't have the data for that either. And that data, you know, none of the data is, is it's like three to six months out from right now. So, you know, I think it's a little premature to be calling victory um, or to call a soft landing or any of that. I mean, we just we just don't know yet. And that's why, you know, I no one has a crystal ball. We've said it on the show before. If anyone tells you they know exactly what's going to happen in the future, you need to run away from that person because they have no idea and they're just trying to sell you something uh, by being overconfident. My, what I call cloudy crystal ball um, is, is exactly that. We, we just, we don't know. We have to wait for this data. And because we have to wait for it, the markets tend to 
focus on short-term things that come out and then they'll either spike up or spike down a little bit. And I think we're going to sit here on this teeter-totter, go up a little bit, go down a little bit, go up a little bit. You know, We're just going to not really do a lot for the next three to six months because we have to wait for actual data to come out. And then it just depends on what the data says, good or bad, whether we're going up or you know, maybe down a little bit. So, um, you know, I think, yeah. What are those what KPIs? What are those key performance indicators or data that you, <laughs> that you look at? Just KPIs. Oh, that's funny. Sorry, no, that, that's a marketing oh, term. Oh, I know it is. That's totally a marketing <laughs> term. That's why I laughed. Uh, the Fed does not look at KPIs. Um, well, I'm talking specifically you. When you say data, what are some of those quick pieces of data that sure. you say is not it's, there or you're right. looking at. It, it, so it's what when it's what the Fed right. Ball. It's not a crystal ball. It's very cloudy. <laughs> uh, so the it, it's what the Fed looks at mostly um, because at the end of the day, uh, you know, it doesn't really. I don't want to say it doesn't matter what I look at, but it, it really doesn't because it's all directed on what the Fed. Um, some economists who are not part of the Fed think the Fed should be looking at other things as a way to say, see, inflation has peaked and it's coming down and it's at this rate. Well, the Fed doesn't really care. They don't care what those people think. They look at what they look at. So to me, those are the most important things. And I'll get to what they are. But those are the most important things because the Fed is who determines where interest rates go. These other economists don't. They could be right. The other economists could, but it, it doesn't matter because the Fed is the engine that is going to power this one way or the other. So the Fed looks at um, CPI, so consumer price index. They also strip out um, and some things that are very volatile like energy and food prices. And then they look at what's called core CPI. One of them that they're really concerned about right now is rent, rental income. So because during the pandemic, the federal government put a freeze on rents and housing prices went up 50 to 100% basically everywhere in the country, but rent prices didn't because they were frozen. Well, now rent's catching up, right? Because they're supposed to move in tandem with one another. So now rent is really getting expensive and having a big impact on inflation. Uh, they look at manufacturing numbers. They look at housing starts. I mean, they, they look at tons of things. Um Unemployment is a really big one. Unemployment is historically low. You know, we're really, really low right now. And as we've said on a previous episode, that it, it's a weird thing, but that's bad. That's bad for inflation. To have inflation come down, people need to lose their jobs. And, and it's such a weird thing to want to root for. But at the end of the day, you know, the inflation harms everyone and so it's which like what's what's worse you know people lose some people losing their jobs or everyone dealing with inflation they're both terrible but the fed has to pick one and they've picked inflation is worse so um those i'd say those are kind of the main the main areas that they're looking at and it, and it all just is what is encompassing and builds into inflation I'm just as a consumer from a consumer standpoint. I'm just worried that prices will just never go down. I mean, like everybody's baked that into from a business standpoint. I feel like cost of goods and groceries. I should just going to the grocery store, for example, paying that price of whatever it is. 
it just doesn't feel like it's gonna get any better can you yeah. talk to that yeah um, no, th- you're exactly right and that that's what the fed's fear is is that they don't get inflation under control quick enough that the increases just become baked in and all of a sudden instead of food prices going up an average of 2% per year like they had been, you know, that was roughly what inflation was over the last decade uh, or more really. Um, so instead of things going up at that rate, well, now they're going to go up at four, five, six percent And that becomes the new standard. And every year companies are baking that five, 6% in and it becomes embedded. And that's what's happened in the seventies. And that's why the seventies and, and I think it went into the early eighties, but that's why they had to, once they finally figured out, we can't just let inflation do its thing. And we need to try to help out a little bit. Um, they had to crank up interest rates super high, like 17, 18%. Um, and it's because they waited so long. So that's why, again, I know, and we talked about it in a previous episode, um, that's why the Fed is acting or, or was acting so aggressively last year with these 75 basis rate hikes, you know, one after another to really ratchet it up quickly because they want to get it under control as quickly as they can. And now they're at that inflection point of, okay, we did a lot. We're going to let it let some of the data catch up because if they if they would have continued, let's say hypothetically, they would have continued at the rate of 75 basis points in December and January and then you know do another one here in February. I mean, that would be too much too quick. And all of a sudden you could really throw the brakes on the economy and p- throw us into a, a very severe recession because of that. So they're they're trying to walk this this tightrope and uh, you know we'll see if they are able to do that or if they fall off. Hmm. But what you're talking about with with uh, grocery price, those aren't going to come down. I mean, the, the prices that things have gone up, like, like I mentioned for auto insurance, mine just got jacked up 20%. That is never going to come back down. And that's one of the things I asked them, you know, okay, so once inflation gets under control, are you guys going to lower this back down? Well, it's all bit, you know, it's like, no. It it is it is now that is now the new baseline and it will only go up from there. Uh, hopefully, it, in future years it goes up less because inflation is lower and all of that. But it it's it's not coming down. These are the new prices of things. Unless it's a commodity, food's a little bit different. Um, gasoline prices, you know, things like that. They can ebb and flow, but for the most part, like things are. Th- th- this is the new norm, and then it's just a hope that people's income is able to keep up and that people are getting um you know raises of similar amounts to keep them with the same buying power right right and if you're not then you're yeah you're losing out to inflation um so that's yeah that that's the the issue the fed's really grappling with and it's i don't envy them because regardless of what they do they'll never be right there's going to be they could do the best that they can, and there's going to be people out there like you should have done this. Well, of course, hindsight's twenty twenty. Uh, it's not a very enlightening episode, is it? I, I think it's. I mean, it's just it's reality. Like, <laughs> not everything's roses. If when we do these quarterly reviews in 
six months to a year from now. Hopefully things are roses then and we'll be talking about how great everything is. I mean, it just this is a this is how the economy works. That it it doesn't go straight up. Who's feeling it worst? Current retirees, people, folks that are entering or trying to enter retirement, or young people? Um that's a really good question. I think there's a few categories. Um, I'm going to split it into workers and retirees. Uh, I think if you had to pick workers or retirees, I would say retirees are going to feel it harder um, just because they're on a fixed budget most of the time for most people. Um, you know, social security did have one of its largest increases. So that helps. But then of course, Medicare went up almost similarly. So really it's like treading water, uh, in regards to that. If people have, if retirees have pensions, most pensions don't have a cost of living adjustment. So that really hammered, um, those people because, you know, your, your pension is set at whatever, and inflation was a lot higher and you don't get to go up with it. Um, people that don't have a pension, or I guess even if you do, but then you have you know 401k or some sort of retirement asset as well. Um, those, you know, the markets were down last year. So you're taking out the same amount or maybe more money last year because things are costing more, but the markets are down. That has a bigger drag on your overall retirement plan um, success rate. So I would, yeah, that, that's kind of the case for retirees. And it's something that you definitely needed to hopefully have planned for ahead of time. Trying to figure it out after the fact is never a good idea. Um, as far as workers go, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say that it is a timing of young people versus people closer to retirement. I think it's more of a, a socioeconomic standpoint. Uh, people that make less money, um, it's hurting them a lot more. Their increases in salaries, if they are getting them, are are not keeping up. Um, you know, across the across the board, um, and and so it's already you know maybe a challenge for them to pay certain bills or to do certain things. And then as inflation stays high, infl- inflation it hurts everyone, but it it hurts lower income. Uh, people and families the most definitely hurts them the most. So, uh, you know, whether you're retired or whether you're uh, working, if you're kind of in that group, then definitely feeling the pain a lot more than Warren Buffett is. Yeah, I feel feel real sorry for that guy. Right well, now. you got to <laughs> throw out extreme examples, so. Uh, do you want to break down industry overviews at all, or? Yeah, um, yeah. Let's uh, let's chat about a few of these. Um, any you want to go over first? You got any industries that are interesting to you? Um. Well, I, I, I'm just as as the Fed kind of cools it down, and we're we're seeing interest rates go get lower, and uh, or their their increase of basis points lowers. And the the U.S. dollar strengthens. Uh, this is an assumption in a speculative market, but I would assume that 
uh, the digital currencies might come back once we establish or reestablish the strength of the dollar. Um, is that a, a fair statement or oh sure like prognostication? Uh, yeah, like Bitcoin and and whatnot, well, Ethereum like and all those. It, yeah, it blew up in you know nineteen twenty twenty one, and then it just seems like kind of an afterthought right now. I don't know. I just doesn't yeah. seem everywhere like it used to be. Um, yeah, well, you know, we, we did an episode on this much more in depth um, on Bitcoin itself, and then we did one on um, Sam Bankman-Fried, SBF. Um, I think that's actually the bigger driver right now is everything that went on with that, letting that work itself out. I know Bitcoin's come up from its uh, lows, um, but... If you look back uh, at Bitcoin and Ethereum, they uh, in the that industry they call them the Bitcoin winters or you know whatever, um, where it will have a craze and people will have again the fear of missing out, so people invest and then it loses favor and goes down, and it'll sit there for a while, and then it'll become a craze again. Uh, and so maybe this is another one of those cycles. Uh, you know, we'll we'll see. I don't I don't know. Um, I think we're, again, as we talked about on previous episodes, I think the technology is here to stay, the blockchain technology, whether the coins are or not, who knows? Um, I'm not one of those people that thinks it's going to supplant the US dollar. I mean, that's ridiculous, in my opinion, that that's even being floated out there. But of course, you know, a lot of times you got to watch out because the people that are pushing that probably own Bitcoin at $1,000. So the more that they can tell everyone get in now and push the price up, the more they make money. I mean, like that that's the aspect we all have to remember in all of this is people are, for the most part, you're selling something, you know? And anytime, whether it's real estate, Bitcoin, uh, REITs, annuities, life insurance, you know, there's a commission attached to that. And so they're, you know, gold and silver. Oh my gosh, the world, we're going to go into a worse recession than the Great Depression. Okay, I'm not sure what data they're looking at, but that data doesn't exist currently for any of that to be stated. But they're trying to get people to buy gold and silver because they're trying to work off of the fear factor. So, um, you know, it's either fear or greed, right? Either they want to scare you out of something to buy something else or they want to make you feel like you're going to miss out on it. And now I'd say that's more of the Bitcoin side of things is, you know, get in now because the prices are low. And so, will it come back? We'll see. Um, you know, that it's in my opinion, it's got to actually find a way to be utilized more than it is. I mean, um, it's just a just a token coin, really. I mean, not a lot of. I, I don't know any places. I'm sure there are. I don't know a lot of places where you can go and be like, here, let me pay you with my point oh 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 one Bitcoin for this candy bar. Like it just doesn't exist right now. If five years from now that becomes more prevalent, okay, now there's some you know some value here because it is more like a currency. But right now that just that doesn't exist here. So um, yeah, we'll see what if that one comes up or not. But uh, I I think it's more based on the they have to build back the industry has to build back the trust after what happened with SBF and, and FTX and, and whatnot. I didn't see any FTX commercials, Super Bowl commercials this year. <laughs> <Weird>. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess that's what happens when you're going through bankruptcy and, and uh, charged with numerous amounts of fraud. Yeah.
Yeah, no Tom Brady. Sad day. Um, <laughs> do you want to touch on uh, the impact of AI and how, how fast that um, is compounding yeah. and improving and how that might be weaponized? I don't know if that's a good word from a, a financial institution standpoint, but also from an individual standpoint. Is there a way we can utilize that uh, technology to grow our wealth? I've never even, I don't even think I've ever, I'm a technology guy and I haven't even tried it. I've just seen the memes and other people and other people talk about it. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, this one is scary. It is. It's, but it's exciting at the same time. It's, it's both like it excites me, but it scares the crap out of me. Um, I've seen and, this movie before. Yeah. Well, and I'm not concerned about, uh, you know, creating, you know, iRobot basically. I yeah. I'm not concerned about that level, but it's more of like, you know, so, so what we're talking about is chat GPT is, is kind of the big craze. I was uh, started by, um, open note. No, I can't remember the company. It's something Elon Musk is invested in or owns or something like that. Um, and, 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 and basically it's an AI and you can go in there and say, write me a song about, the Kansas City Chiefs, and it'll write you a song about the Kansas City Chiefs, or you know, write me a and and I, whatever, write me a. Uh, here's some information, and and write me a uh, a resume. Right, what are the best interview questions? I mean, you can ask it to do virtually anything. I, I was reading an article uh, the other day that it passed a uh, coding test test for oh, like boy. Google that was a $183,000 job. Like it, it passed it. So it theoretically could be hired to do this $183,000 job. So anyways, that's chat GPT. Then there's also Google's version of it called Bard. Um, seems to not be working as well. It had some issues and some hiccups, but that's their kind of competitor. Um, super, super interesting. I think, I think it's going to be it just, it's all, it's all going to depend and it always is, you know, is it used for good and what it is used for good is going to be amazing. Um, it's going to make things so much more efficient. It's going to save tons of time. Uh, I was reading another article that some huge law firm, I can't remember if they're in Canada or if they're here in the States, but they are using this for their, they have 3,500 plus attorneys and they expect it that by utilizing this software to help do research, it's going to save every attorney between like two and four hours a week. I mean, now now multiply that by 3,500 attorneys and 52 weeks out of the year. Think about how much more efficient that business is going to be. By just finding case law? Or? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. By by searching and finding the case law and like reading through it and saying, this applies to your case, this doesn't. You know, and like, here's things that you can cite. And then, of course, you know, it's like reviewing it, but it's it's basically like having a paralegal that's mm. way cheaper than a human being and way more efficient and it's going to do it way faster. Um, you know, and again, like, so that the efficiency that this could create for business is what's super exciting. Now, the bad part is education. My wife's in uh, education and teaches high school choir, so she doesn't have to deal with this, but... Some teachers do because kids have found this and are saying, write me a three-page 
uh, essay on blah, blah, blah. That they And so it's doing their homework for them. So now education is going to have to change because you, you, you basically can't let kids do anything at home and turn it in because you have no idea whether they wrote it or chat GPT wrote it. Everything's going to need to be in the classroom so that they can, which causes its own headache because then how do you have homework? Like there's, there's benefits to having homework, right? Like being able to take work home and figure it out and do it on your own is a skill that you learn from having homework and going through education system. But if that gets taken away, you know, like it, so it, it could have, you know, ramifications of a lot of things. It could, um, it could juice your resume, you know, like, I mean, it could, like, it could, it just, it's going to, there's going to be ways that chat GPT is utilized to make people or situations better than what they would be if that person did it themselves. And, you know, if that is you getting hired because chat GPT did something rather than you doing it, well, then they should hire chat GPT, not you. Yeah. So it's super interesting. Again, there's always pros and cons of technology, but I think the, the big pro and the exciting side is, is how much, how companies can leverage it to, um, you know, create lots of lots of efficiencies and give more time. You know, I, we're we're looking into it for Harmony Wealth. Like I've been looking into that. How can I try to utilize ChatGPT or 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 Bard or or something to automate some of my, for lack of a better term, brain numbing activities that I have to do that they can get off of my plate, which will open up more capacity to me to spend more time with my clients or with new prospective clients and doing the things that are more important and the higher functioning, you know, brain power things rather than, Hey, here's some mind numbing things, but they got to get done. So I got to spend time doing it. So, um, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of where I think I see that industry or that sector going. Um, but definitely exciting area right now. Maybe it'll come up with our next <clears throat> podcast episode. Very well could. Very well could. I probably need more. Maybe maybe two from now. I need a little more time to research. <laughs> uh, anything else you want to talk about? Uh, quarter four market update that we missed? Um, no, I mean, I think we touched on most of these things. Uh, last one, I guess, would just be I'm getting questions on it. Uh, should people be... Uh, investing internationally. Uh, just kind of real quick with it. Obviously, this brings up the spy balloons that have come over and then everything uh, you know with China on that. And we'll see the whole that whole that whole thing just confuses me to be honest. <laughs> um, like if we have satellites and if China has satellites that could see the same thing, why are you doing spy balloons? Like it just and yeah, why would you release weird. all of these spy balloons at the same time? And I'm just like, it just, because you know that we're going to find them. Like, I just, I don't know. It just, it seems, I'm not trying to call it conspiracy theory. I'm just, I'm just really confused. Like, what's the tactic? What's the play here? Why did this, why would you do this? It just doesn't make any sense. But that has, um, you know, worsened relations with the United States or caused more tension right now. So, uh, you know, they've recently just slapped on some sanctions on a few companies in the United States. And so internationally, I don't know. Um, over the last 
multi I don't know how far, multiple decades we're talking. The United States, if you invest in the United States, you would have outperformed international. Uh, so the track record is not in favor of international uh, companies. The other aspect of that is if they kick out a dividend um, or if you sell it for a gain later on, well, now you got to turn around and pay foreign tax, you know, because you owned a foreign company to the United States government. So you're giving up some of your gains to a, a foreign tax plus then paying income on it anyways. And so maybe this is me being, uh, you know, loyalist to America, but I don't really see a ton of reasons right now to be dealing with international. Um, if you do, small small amounts don't don't put tons over there uh we're still the world power in terms of economy and technology and churning everything out so all the growth and incomes here most all i guess i should say um so yeah um but yeah it's interesting interesting times around the world so i think it's it's easier to just stay here and do the things that we know but other than that, because I've been getting that question a lot, is the international side of things. Um, and then just real quick, touching on it, I know we're getting close to the end of the episode. Um, you know, the real estate market, that's softened, obviously. Um, I, I personally think it's going to likely continue to soften um, until people get used to higher mortgage rates. I would love to be wrong. I don't see us getting back down into the two and 3% interest rates again for quite a while. Um, you know, that, that was the, we need to remember that, you know, five year period or whatever, where mortgage rates were that low was the anomaly, you know, 10 years, if you're going to say anything under, you know, 5%, that was the anomaly. You know, you go back even to the 2000s through 2010, Regular interest rates were in the sixes. Well, that's where we are now. So like we very well could be back to historical norms and this may be where it sits. I mean, we don't, we don't know. I wouldn't, I don't think there's any guarantee. Uh, I know a lot of people say there is, but I don't think there's any guarantee that we just all of a sudden drop right back down to the two, three percents within the next six months to a year. Um, I, I, I don't know, you know, the Fed would really have to cut rates hard to do that. And I don't, I don't see that happening. So, um, but you know, people need homes. So this will, if it stays where it is, this will be the new norm. Uh, people will get used to it and buy houses just like they bought houses from 2000 to 2008 or 2010, whenever interest rates started going down, you know, when interest rates were six, 7%, people were buying houses. They were still buying them. Um, you know, and they've bought them all through history. So it's just, we need to get used to this being the new norm if that's, that's the case. So the, I think there'll be a little lag on that, but I think then housing will pick back up because people don't want to rent for their whole lives. They want to own a home. Very good. Yes, Chat sir. GPT, write me an outro. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Maybe that should be our first one. We'll test it with that next time. Yeah, I might have to play around with that. Yep. So any so. thoughts that you have? Anything you want to throw in that exciting for you over the last quarter? Nope. Nope. Just uh, we took a little uh, dip into the pool with just real estate and looking at another house. and Nice. 
<sighs> got scared away just because of <laughs> the interest rate we have on our current house and if our pain point exceeds the the value that we would get in return so it just wasn't there yet and well done yeah. well done that's a great analysis <laughs> So we're at that point of, do we just invest money in renovating our house, our current house, or making sure that the the next house achieves and provides solutions for those big pain points? So, yeah, I don't know. Lots of options. Options are a good thing. Sure. <laughs> we're a little spoiled spoiled with our current interest rate. So yep. waiting to refinance is not a, exactly exciting to me at this point. So but we'll see. All right. All right. That's it for us in this episode of the F Sharp Podcast. Support the podcast by pressing that follow button, leave a five star review, and most importantly, tell a friend. Um if you have any suggestions or questions, shoot us an email. Uh, you've seen the email right below at podcast at financiallysharp.com. That's podcast at financiallysharp.com. Thanks for listening, and you will hear us in the next episode. You'll also see us in the next episode since we're on YouTube. So how was your first experience with YouTube? <laughs> I, I found I myself going, oh, I, I can't like dink around as much as I did when Tanner's talking because I'm kind of... <laughs> on screen so Greta says I kind of have a scowly face and resting RBF which you know I'm aware of but I don't think I did a very good job of hiding that nah nah I think you did good I thought uh, there are definitely times in previous episodes where when you know I could see you but we're not recording the video where I'm like is he even listening to anything I'm saying or am I just talking (laughs) you're just talking gotta do the the Wayne's World. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Throw uh-huh. that in every once in a while. Uh-huh. But, no, I like it. Right. I think it's good. Adios. See ya. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. This podcast does not engage in rendering legal, tax, financial, or other professional services. Investment advisory services are offered through Harmony Wealth, a registered investment advisor authorized to do business in states where registered or otherwise exempt from registration. If you have questions pertaining to your specific situation, please contact Harmony Wealth at 602-935-5155 or at HarmonyWealthAZ.com.